When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And we are joined by the true cute one. We have Anthony Laria with us today. Hi. Hey, thank you for having me. I think that you guys are both pretty cute. Oh, Oh, thank thank you. you. This is why we had you on, just to get compliments. (laughs) Well, thank you for being here. I am so excited because today we are covering The Devil Wears Prada and... You picked this movie, Anthony, and you were, first of all, like, rightfully horrified to learn that this was my very first time watching this fine film. I can't believe it. I know. I know. Well, I can. I can. Yeah. I mean, the bar is (laughs) low at this point for me. But also, Anthony, you have worked for some Miranda-adjacent people. If you have been living under a rock and you don't know Anthony, he is the most low-key, casually well-connected person (laughs) I think I know. And you have worked for some big names some bravo celebrities, some people that people know so like you have firsthand dealt with impossible people yeah the only thing that's worse than a miranda Priestley is somebody who thinks that they're miranda oh. Priestley. Oh. <laughs> you said that this movie really hits home for you and after watching this movie i am both intrigued and horrified for you <laughs> i mean it's just one of those classic movies that I mean, I feel like I have it memorized at this point. And, and mm-hmm. so that's why I was curious to hear like your take on it too. Cause I'd, I'd love to hear about it from a non-nostalgia perspective too, because when I watch it, it's just all nostalgia and very triggering as well. <laughs> I want to rip off the bandaid at the beginning. You guys can take a deep breath. I loved this movie. Good. It has been just so much out there in the ethos, like the whole cerulean monologue. Like I feel yeah. like I had watched it just because I feel like it is so important to so many people that I've like vicariously by osmosis soaked it in. But I'm glad that I'm officially one of the people who has seen this movie. I saw it when it first came out, but I was on the Anne Hathaway hate train back then. (laughs) So I think I only saw it once. However, because, like you said, it is such a pop culture moment, I still had nostalgic ties to it, even though I really did. Yeah, pretend. (laughs) Yeah. Are you still on the Anne Hathaway hate train? No. You're off it. Yeah. When she did Ocean's Eleven, I love when a celebrity can parody themselves. So when she played, like, basically a bitch version of herself, I was like, oh, okay, I'm in. Count me in. I went through my Twitter to, like, do a, <laughs> like a PR cleanse on myself, oh, yeah. and I had all these random tweets. I don't remember hating Anne Hathaway, <laughs> but I had all these tweets from, like, 2012 being like, Anne Hathaway, no. Anne Hathaway, <laughs> bye. <laughs> we talk about this all the time, but the Anne Hathaway effect is real. We all received a <laughs> mental download where all of a sudden one day we woke up and we were like, no, we all, as a society, collectively hate Anna Hathaway now. I feel like she's like a sweet person, right? I've only ever heard great things 
things about her, but <laughs> we all hated her. I think it was the blonde hair and broke back mountain, truly. I feel like people really turned on her after that singing about bread movie. What was that? <laughs> singing about bread Les movie. Les Mis. Oh. When she was bald headed and they pulled her teeth out. She won her Oscar for that. She did. She flew too close to the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donnie she would probably did. argue it, it was, was the, the haircut. haircut. It was. So this movie <laughs> premiered on June 30th, 2006. My birthday. <gasps> was it? Oh my God. Yeah, that's my birthday. Oh my wow. gosh. Happy this birthday. This is meant to be. Serendipitous. Wow. Uh-huh. So it was, as always, a Friday. This movie was number two in the box office with Superman Returns getting the number one spot. Do I Make You Proud by Taylor Hicks was at the top of the music charts in the U.S. No way. And Man Eater by Nelly Furtado was reigning supreme in the U.K. Wow. Did I ever tell you my Taylor Hicks story when I saw Grease in Philadelphia? I'm just remembering who Taylor Hicks is, the gray-haired one that beat Catherine McPhee in American Idol season five. I still am heated about it. Yeah, he's hot. Anthony, please. Is he not hot? Let me look him up. Because when he was gray-haired and I was in college, I did not find him hot. Well, to quote (laughs) Kiki Palmer, I've never seen this man before in my life. Who is this man? Okay, I do not find him hot, but I would blow him if that answers any questions. Yeah. Okay. That's such a specific gay thing that I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. I think that that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw Grease in Philadelphia, the touring cast, he was beauty school dropout angel. And mm-hmm. I stage doored because I thought the guy that played Kaniki was so hot. So I stage doored to meet the cast. And he came out and he grabbed my playbill from me and just signed it. I didn't want his autograph. Wow. So that was 2008 when you saw oh, that. Oh, wow, yeah. I was in eighth grade. Yeah, so that makes sense. Wow, wow, wow. Taylor Hicks, though, is not in the Double Wears Prada. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, let's get back on track. I apologize. My brain just short-circuited because I was doing the math that you were in eighth grade I know, in 2008. I and then I just chose to not acknowledge that and move on, you little baby angel. <laughs> so also on this day, June 30th, 2006, Jessica Simpson and obviously Nick Lachey divorced after (gasps) three years of marriage. Wow, what what a day. On your birthday, Anthony. Wow, that's sad. I'm sorry, that must be a hard date for them. (laughs) Now, I will say, so I've told the story of my husband witnessing Nick Lachey singing karaoke and happy birthday at a dive bar, but I do want to talk about newlyweds because this show was like, that magical period of time for me before I knew that there were things like production and Mm. storylines. And I just truly thought that they were like filming their lives. Did you guys watch it at all? I loved that show. I would watch with my parents. I remember them going to Home Depot a lot during the show and being in the pool a lot. Yeah, the Chicken of the Sea famously. Mm, Yes. Nick Lachey has such an odd career because now – him and Vanessa are like weird love scientists on Netflix. Yeah. All of their dating shows are actually kind of like psychological warfare. They're like, <laughs> how can we torture these people and call it experiments, but like low key ruin their lives? I always think it's so funny that Jessica Simpson claims that Nick Lachey sent her a baby gift and he didn't do that. <laughs> like, why'd she say that? Yeah, And Vanessa was really quick to be like, no, we didn't. 
we oh didn't God. send her anything. <laughs> I feel like Vanessa is like low key a crazy bitch and I'm here for it because even on like the one Netflix show, <laughs> it was an ultimatum where people came in and one of the people wanted to get married. The other person wasn't sure. So the first person was giving the other person an ultimatum. And the way they did this quote unquote experiment <laughs> was that they lived together for a week, but then they all like as part of this experiment had to live with another person for a week where like some of them hooked what? up some of them were in a relationship just to test the waters to see if they were ready for marriage <laughs> i watched it when i truly had like the worst hangover of my entire life i did not move from the couch <laughs> and it was like a clockwork orange and this all started with vanessa being like well this is basically what i did to nick i gave him the ultimatum and look at us now happier than she ever said that? yeah oh i don't oh, wow. like that do you remember the part house in newlyweds when she was like um nick lachey has a hairy butt like do you remember that yes. she was like you have such a hairy butt and i was pretty young and i google searched on the computer nick lachey hairy butt and my parents found the <gasps> google search oh, no. did anything come up should i google it now i literally just googled it there's a bunch of just fake nick lachey nudes. Oh. I mean, I'll look at them later. <laughs> and then maybe I'll look up Taylor Hicks' hairy butt and see what happens. Yeah. Have yourself a nice little evening. <laughs> well, if you want to see our hairy butts, just kidding. But maybe not. We'll do anything for money. So for the uncut, unedited, and unhinged versions of our current shows, head to patreon.com slash one. There you can also see my own <clears throat> psychological warfare that Donnie is putting me in, his own little experiment where he's making me watch Glee for the first time. She's loving as Teresa would say, Madonna mia. Oh my god. Oh my god. So do you have any background or trivia for us today, Donnie? I do. It was written by Aileen Brash McKenna and based on the novel by Lauren Weisberger. And Aileen Brash McKenna also wrote that new Reese and Ashton movie, Your Place or Mine. And she wrote Cruella and 27 Dresses. Wow. I know. Good for her. Nice little career. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by, I don't know if I was on strike. I don't know what. I didn't put a name, but I did write the other movies this person directed. But if you want to know the name, fucking forget about it. I'm not going to tell you here. It's like a little mystery for our listeners. Put together the clues. (laughs) But the person that directed it, whoever that may be, also directed six episodes of Sex and the City and Marley and Me. Mm. What a career. Tears all around. (laughs) It cost, this is kind of crazy, it cost $35 million to make. And made $327 million. Good for oh. them. And even with a $35 million budget, I read that Meryl Streep during the first week of filming almost walked off set because she said she wasn't get paid enough. So then they had to up her contract. Wow. Okay. And one more thing, since we're talking about how much Meryl got paid, they didn't have enough money to fly her to Paris to film her scenes. So Anne Hathaway filmed all her scenes in Paris, actually in Paris, but then they just green screened Meryl Streep. Are you serious? So they were never in Paris together at the same time? Uh Uh-uh. Meryl Streep did not set foot in Paris. I would be pissed. (laughs) Unlike most of the movies we cover here, it was nominated for two Oscars, including Best Leading Actress for Meryl Streep and Best Costume Design. Didn't win either, but that's exciting. A lot more than most of the movies Happy just to be here. Yeah. It's an honor just to be covering a nominated movie. (laughs) At the Globes, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Did it win a Globe? Let's see. Yeah, you look that up, and I'll keep talking about something else. So, (laughs) speaking of Oscars, the scene when Stanley Tucci loses the position, 
he asked the director, whoever that is, he asked, how should I play this scene? And the director was like, pretend you were nominated for an Oscar and they announced someone else as the winner. And then when the director gave that feedback, Meryl Streep was like, I can tell you what that's like. So that's a cute little moment. Yeah, that is cute. <laughs> Meryl won the Golden Globe. The Golden Globe, wow. And Emily Blunt was nominated for the Golden Globe. Oh, very Didn't nice. Mm-hmm. Good job, Emily. Roger Ebert, Chelsea's longtime nemesis, gave it two out of four stars and said, and I truly don't even know what the fuck he means by this. He said, The Devil Wears Prada is being positioned as a movie for grown-ups and others who know what or who or when or where Prada is. What does that even mean? Sometimes I feel like he is just doing a Mad Libs Yeah, puzzle. if you're not the target audience, that's fine, baby. Just go to bed. Take your... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever old people take and shut the fuck up. Take a half a unisom and call it a night. He's also wrong, too. Right. So I'm going to read you the three taglines the movie had, and you're going to play fuck, marry, and kill with them. Ooh, fun. The first one is hell on heels. Fuck, marry, or kill. Uh, God, I always want to kill them, but they always get worse. I'm going to kill it. Okay. I'm going to fuck that one. Sounds oh. kind of fuckable. It is sexy. Okay. Hell on heels. Yeah. The second one is meet Andy Sachs. A million girls would kill to have her job. She's just not one of them. Uh, <laughs> why do I do this to myself every week? And you set me up every week and every week I fall for it. Because what am I going to do with that? I'm not going to fuck it. I guess I'll marry A long-winded spouse. I'm killing that one. <laughs> I'm going to fuck this next one. All right. The last one is high fashion. Low Cunning and the Boss from Hell. Yes, I'm happily marrying that one. That's a good one. Maybe that one will be my side piece. I'm just going to keep fucking it through my <laughs> loveless marriage. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. On the first day of filming, Meryl Streep told Anne Hathaway, I think you're perfect for the role. I'm so happy we're going to be working together, but that's the last nice thing I'll say to you while we're filming. And it was. She was with her the whole rest of the time. Wow. I know, that's fun. That That is is really fun. (laughs) I love that she just had an excuse to be a raging bitch. Well, before we make Anthony do a one-minute synopsis, I want to know what character, if any, do you identify as? I am Tracy Toms, Andy's black woman friend, because I think that I would be aware that my friend was changing and not making time for us and like miserable in her life. But I couldn't allow myself to be too mad about it because I would be accepting all of that free shit she got from her job. Yeah, she was like really (laughs) fine with everything while she was getting all those bags until she wasn't. Uh Exactly. That's me. I think I am a bit of a Nigel Mm. just because I am a person that gives it to you straight and I really just can't stand a crybaby. I'm kind of just like suck it up buttercup. But then I also am somebody that gives out really good advice and never takes it myself. And like I will stay in a toxic relationship just because I'm like, well, one day they'll change. It'll be fine. Maybe the next <laughs> one will be a win for me. And that's why know? Chelsea still does this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe this will be the podcast that Donnie's nice to me. <laughs> I was going to say Nigel as well. I mean, I definitely have been Andy before 
But I, I think Nigel probably because it's one of those things where you're like so used to it, especially like in a certain industry where you're like, well, it's just kind of how it is. And like you accept like the toxicity by becoming close to like toxic people and maybe a little Jacqueline Follet. Oh, a French woman. <laughs> and for no reason other than her name is Jacqueline <laughs> Follet. <laughs> So now is the time where we are going to put the pressure on. Not really, not at all. And we are going to put one minute on the clock and have you give a synopsis of this fine film. So whenever you're ready, you can take it away. Okay. Andy is a girl who wants to be a writer. And one way to get into writing is to work at this really high-end fashion publication called Runway. And so she takes this job and she finds herself slowly but surely becoming kind of like her toxic boss and stomping on the people around her and kind of giving up who she is for this job that was only supposed to be a gateway between here and there. Beautiful. So our movie opens with a frumpy, note the air quotes, woman, Andy, interviewing for a job that millions of girls would kill for, becoming a junior personal assistant to Miranda Presley. Presley? Presley. 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 (laughs) Now, I put frumpy in air quotes because Andy still is Anne Hathaway and still has her face. So she's objectively going to be beautiful if she's a maxinista or a fashionista. But Mm -hmm. for the plot purposes, we are led to believe that she's serving brainy, not beauty, because exhibit A, those parted bangs, like what a frumpalum. And that she's fat somehow. (laughs) Why do they try to trick us into thinking she's fat? I don't know. And you know what's really sick? A lot of times in movies from the early 2000s, we have scripts that are like very fat phobic but Anne Hathaway herself truly lost two sizes so she could play like fat Andy and skinny Andy whenever we cover movies from this time period specifically I'm like oh right so much makes sense of like so many of my friends who struggled with body Mm -hmm. image and eating and all of the things because we really are kind of gaslit this entire movie by being like oh like this fat pig this ugly bitch and it's like yeah. it's Anne Hathaway like let's not forget it's Anne Hathaway yeah. so true now i'm going to start out this recap with a hot take because i know like every few months there's a think piece about mm. how Nate the boyfriend is the real villain in this movie and i don't disagree that like okay maybe he could have been more supportive maybe he could have been a little more understanding etc however in this essay i will mm-hmm. state that i actually think Andy is the villain of this movie tell me more she's just kind of the worst However you look at it. Like, let's talk about this interview process. She's entitled. She's underprepared. She's self-righteous. She feels like she deserves this fancy writer gig. Like, this bitch has to look at a business card (laughs) to remember who she has an interview with. Like, do that in the lobby. You do that in the lobby. That's a bad look. She has to ask who... Miranda is, again, a bad look. She's done zero research about this job opportunity. Let's not forget this movie took place in 2006 when there was, like, literally no jobs to be had out Mm. of college. Like, she should be so lucky to be getting an interview anywhere. And then it only, like, gets worse from here. But it's, like, every stage she has main character syndrome where she just really feels like 
she deserves everything and yet she's somehow above it all. When I used to watch when I was younger, I used to think that he's like stopping her from like being this diva. But then after like college and having my first few jobs, I was like, no, I need somebody like him in my life who's going to tell me like actually get rid of this person. I remember waking up. It was my first personal assistant job in New York. And one of my friends, Connor, was like, you need to leave, like quit today. And it was six weeks into the job and I quit. Mm. But I don't think Andy's the villain as much as I just think Miranda, like they want you to like find this deep side to her. And it's just like not there. Yeah. She is just a bitch. Like, <laughs> I think I'm also blinded because Kelly Catrone oh, started mm. doing more interviews recently. I loved her on the hills. I loved Kel on earth. Like she was such a monster and it was so glamorized. Mm-hmm. I associate Miranda with her and I'm like, well, you know what you're signing up for. Yeah. And I think that's my problem with Andy is she never fully committed either way. Like she was simultaneously a victim because she was being treated poorly and this isn't even what I want but then like mad that she wasn't getting more yeah I see that I don't know if I do but I will agree that I don't think Nate is the villain like at all I think Miranda's a bitch but I also think people like you said know what they're signing up for when they go to her where I think like Nate thought he knew what he signed up for when he started dating Andy and like moved in with her and stuff and then she completely changed and changed for what she was still actively saying like this is not what I want Right. so for them to break up like I never saw him do anything wrong (laughs) in this movie and now I want to go back on Twitter to see the people that do those think pieces every month to see what their supporting evidence is because I truly couldn't tell you one thing he did wrong because it wasn't even like he was necessarily shitting on the fashion industry like he didn't understand it and he's an old navy guy like he's using his Kohl's cash and there's nothing wrong with that game recognized game but because he even says at one point like I'm not curing cancer over here like I understand a gig is a gig but like you're complaining about this and then you're also ditching me for the very things you're complaining about. Yes. He says like I don't even care if you were stripping (laughs) if you were just doing it with a little dignity or something like that. And she's not. And she's also like cheating on him the whole time. Like having this Mm -hmm. emotional affair. So maybe I do understand how Andy's the villain here. Maybe that's our thing piece. Thank you Anthony for explaining that to me. (laughs) (laughs) I know I like deliver a (laughs) dissertation and Anthony's like but in this one scene and Donnie's like, got it. (laughs) Moving on. Andy witnesses the office flurry that takes place when Miranda arrives unexpectedly. People are touching up their makeup, cleaning their desks, sprinting through the hallways, and generally speaking, just losing their fucking minds. (laughs) Details of their incompetence do not interest Miranda, and soon it becomes clear that she is a nightmare to work for. And in a petty power play, Miranda decides to interview Andy directly. And despite having no style or sense of fashion, Andy Mm. somehow lands the job. I know that I get stressed out at work, but I never let anyone bother me the way that all of these people are bothered by Miranda Priestly. And I do understand, like, they are working at basically Vogue for basically Anna Wintour. However, I work on Broadway, as you know, so I have worked alongside big names and like they can be divas. They can look at me like I'm a piece of garbage. And obviously in the moment, I'm like, that's annoying. 
these people were truly riled up. And when I worked at Gap, when the regional manager would come for visits, the manager above me would literally chug Pepto-Bismol before her visit because that's no. how nervous she was. I was like, you need to relax. We work at the Gap. Yeah, it's <laughs> nothing. However, with that said, this whole movie gives me anxiety. It gives me such bad anxiety to now watching it. Yeah. You know how you can't ask Miranda questions? Mm. I would mm-hmm. see that and be like, she's such a badass until like actually having to deal with it. I remember there's some people that I worked for that have been like, you ask them a question, like fucking forget about it. Like you cannot ask a question. It's like abuse. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And that's where, at what point does Andy need to stop being tested? Like mm-hmm. Miranda just gets off on it. It's not even like a learning. Yeah. Thing. Are they getting anything done? Right. I do also think it's so odd that Ugly Betty came out the exact same year and it's literally the exact mm-hmm. same plot. Maybe that can be one we cover on the Patreon because I never saw that <gasps> one either. And it ages like milk in the sun. It's oh. perfect for us. Oh, Chelsea. good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could just put a pause in Glee and just hop on over. After to episode 13? Okay. Yeah, sure we can. Yeah. I had to try. <laughs> so even Andy's friends are shocked that she got the job. And we continue the charade that Anne Hathaway is not skinny or pretty. <laughs> and soon Andy and her lumpy cerulean sweater get to work. She is chained to the phone, grabbing coffee, boring Miranda with her questions, begrudgingly trading in her orthopedic clogs for (laughs) heels, and navigating petty office politics being terrorized daily by Miranda's first assistant, Emily, who is just the best. best Oh my God, she's so good. There's a little trivia piece that Emily Blunt ad-libbed that line after seeing a woman in New York City go like this to her kid. You're doing a lot of this and I want to see this. Oh, wow. And so she ad-libbed that. I love that. I love repeating things that you witness parents yell at their children for. I got married seven years ago and I remember, as you know, I got married in Disney World. I remember a mom yelled at her kid in line and said, you're being such a little witch. And I say it all the time. <laughs> uh, well, it's a gold mine in my house, let me tell you. Because at 3 a.m. last night, I was saying, I will take those Pokemon cards. You need to get them out of my face and go back to bed. Oh, I'm going to start get, saying that. Get yeah. those Pokemon cards out of my uh, face. There's nothing quite like waking up to a five-year-old just standing over you like they are a demon when you open your eyes and like kind of you know scream she just put out her pokemon cards and she's like have you seen my rhyhorn i'm like it is 3 a.m man please go to bed my very own miranda i'm being tested i think i would thrive in andy's position because what i'm facing daily is far worse so andy's first fuck up comes quick when despite her so-called work ethic she is unable to get miranda a flight from miami to new york in the middle of a hurricane causing her to miss her children's recital it was only a light drizzle after all i hate this part when she's just trying to see lisa renna play roxy hart with her dad (laughs) Uh, maybe it was for the best she didn't make it (laughs) anthony you've kind of said just like a laundry list of experiences but like does any one experience come to mind of just the worst or most toxic work environment there are things that happened that were like so much worse But this one always comes back to me. I'm in this woman's like penthouse New York apartment and she's getting ready to leave on a a trip. And we had so much to do. And I I showed up 
really early and I thought she'd be like so happy that I was there early. I got there at like 7.30. I was supposed to be at work at nine. I'm banging on her door. I know she's inside and she's just not opening the door and I'm sitting in this cold New York hallway. I got inside and she's like, where's my labeler? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, my labeler, my labeler. I have no idea what the fuck she's talking about. She takes out this label gun. She makes me literally start labeling random items in her house things like the chicken cutlets in the refrigerator labeled that labeled like toothpaste chair floor it was like humiliation and she was showing her housekeeper like look what i'm making him do and it was like disgusting like i think there's been worse things but that was like the most humiliating one Jesus. Also, yeah. like, somebody had to, like, take off those labels at some point. Like, I imagine she doesn't want her chair labeled chair for the rest of time. Unless no. it's, like, full house and she's trying to teach someone Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fucking crazy. That was actually my last day there, too. Wow. I left I'm that glad. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the six-week position or is this a different job? Um, This was a six-month position. Oh, wow. Okay. God, yeah. you've been in the trenches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure have. I asked our cuties the same question and there were a lot of like deeply troubling ones like lots of sexual harassment lots of like bosses getting promoted and raises when they should be fired Mm. etc i was just dming people like i'm so glad you got out of there (laughs) yeah let's start out with some sexual harassment ceo told me how hot my pants were in front of the entire office and then when i backed away homer simpson style he had secret meetings about whether or not i was a lesbian I am not. I was glad to get out of there. Oh, my God. Meetings, like, scheduled on the the Google Calendar? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) 2 p.m., Chelsea check-in. Is she a lesbian? Question mark. And now that Zoom offers polls, they really have (laughs) a Oh, God. Chelsea wore Dockers today. What do we think? (laughs) I see she's riding a Subaru. Uh, The next one, I worked at a hospital and delivered my baby there. When I was in labor, I got a parking ticket because I parked in patient parking. Later, my boss asked us at a team meeting if we had ever had problems with parking, and I mentioned, LOL, yeah, I got a ticket when I was pushing a child out of my body. She told me to plan better next time. (gasps) Oh, my God. Ew. I would have lost my shit. I would have just like sent photos of the birth. Oh my God. Jesus. <laughs> like, open up your attachment. <laughs> the next two were short and sweet and both made me laugh. They used to monitor my internet use. I got yelled at for looking at weather.com. I would most certainly get fired. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Heaven forbid you know of a storm's coming. My God. Last one. My boss would call people out publicly in front of everyone for stinking up the bathroom. Oh. <gasps> Oh, God. I would have been called out every day. (laughs) Me, too. Because my favorite fact, and I was the one that did, like, payroll and, like, onboarding and stuff. And I would still tell people this. If you take a 10-minute poop every day by the end of the year, you pooped a full paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Put it on the clock. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, exactly. Wow. (laughs) Have you ever had any crazy stories in Broadway, Donnie? Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. Yeah, bleep his name out, but... I'll tell it for real. So the creator of he came to see the most recent show I was working 
it was like one of the really hot days in the summer. So he already came 10 minutes late. And as he was coming in, a woman was so hot, she felt ill. So she was leaving and she fainted right at the entrance of like where you go from the lobby to the actual theater. So as he was trying to come in, there was a woman on the ground. So we were like, no, nobody can go in yet. I'm sorry. We'll have to hold you for like five more minutes until whatever. He said, she looks fine. I can step over her. I know. (laughs) Disgusting. Oh my God. And like, she didn't look fine. She wasn't starting to come to, like, I thought she could have been possibly dead. (laughs) He was like, no, I can walk over. Holy shit. Uh Yeah. Wow. Cool. Oh my God. Patreon.com slash I am the cute one for the unbleeped version where you can learn who specifically was a douchebag. God. This podcast is sponsored by ZocDoc. You know I love being the center of attention. I make people celebrate my birthday for an entire month. So why should my health be any different? There's nothing worse than going to a doctor's appointment, expecting to be the center of attention, and then your doctor seems like they have better things to do and better places to be. Instead of listening to you intently, asking you how you feel, and helping you along, the doctor is checking the clock. On ZocDoc, you'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all of your energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better, faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com cute and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash cute. ZocDoc dot com slash cute. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles 
Bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. I do want to say Miranda is the devil, as the title of the movie suggests. But I do agree with Stanley Tucci that if you're not going to quit, just shut up. Like, yes, this is a problem. Yes, we are all aware. But there is no HR department. So just you're making it worse by complaining. Yes, absolutely. Because that was actually going to be my next point of evidence of why Andy is the worst. Because so she is like, you know, literally drinking the Kool-Aid because soon she's drinking punch at this designer's (laughs) lavish party and rubbing elbows with important people, including writer Christian Thompson, Mm. who will become a player later on, literally. (laughs) She is committing to joining this world. She's going to the party. She's drinking the Kool-Aid, like Nate's saying. And when she goes to complain to him, like she seems genuinely shocked by his backstory of like, oh, pretending to go to soccer practice, but learning how to sew. Mm. And it became clear to me that like, she clearly has not asked this man a single question about him. And you know she is going to his little workstation every day and complaining and bitching and moaning. And it's like, me, me, me. Shut up, Andy. Like, it's one thing to commiserate with a coworker. It's another to, like, act like you are the only one suffering this plight. Yeah. I do feel like commiserating with a coworker, like slightly or like a very specific story and then being done with it is one thing. But when you do it over and over, like we're all already living it. And now you repeating it, we're living it twice. No, I agree. Like a girl that I work with, she and I like bitch every day about <laughs> the same client. And it's like fine because like it's like mutual bitching. It's like good right. for us. But, like, I'm not complaining to her and she's, like, trying to talk me down or vice versa. Like, we're just dealing with it in one side chat and then together, like, doing whatever. But funny story, James Holt is the designer in this who makes the bags. Mm -hmm. And so my boyfriend, he, for, like, the last year, like, whenever we're talking about, like, fashion or designer, he'll say it in groups of people and he'll be like, oh, like, what am I, James Holt over here? (laughs) And I thought it was so funny because I'm like, oh, it's a Devil Wears Prada reference. And he's like, oh, and Anthony, like, with his Gucci bag and his Louis Vuitton and his James Holt. And I'm like, wait, James Holt is not a real designer, Steph. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're quoting a character. This is a character from the Devil Wears Prada. There's no such thing as a James Holt bag. That's hilarious. I love him. Because he has no idea about any of that. I got him for our anniversary. I think I told you the story, Charles, the David Yerman bracelet and he opened the 
thing and he looks down and he looks at me and he goes who's David Yerman oh my god it's James <laughs> Holt's assistant yeah. Chelsea do you know the actor that played James Holt mm, he looked familiar to he's me he's hot he is hot I talked about him last week in our old school episode he is the actor that was in the original production of the Jesse Williams Dick Show <gasps> oh yeah oh. Mm-hmm. so his nudes are online yeah James Holt <laughs> Harry butt. <laughs> so Nigel gives Andy a makeover, a hyperbolic bitch slap, and tells her to start trying. Cue the ugly duckling to swan montage. <clears throat> Andy starts wearing Chanel, stops parting her bangs, and earns Miranda's home key and access to the book. And everything is going well until the twins from The Shining <laughs> trick Andy into overstepping and walking upstairs in Miranda's house. Oh. But Rather than firing her, she gives Andy an impossible task. She wants Andy to get the unpublished (laughs) manuscript of the new Harry Potter book for her demon daughters. But using her connection with hunky writer Christian Thompson, Andy pulls off the impossible. And I have to say, as a Potterhead, I am truly impressed. This is 2006 we're talking about. This was the lead up to the Deathly Hallows. If (laughs) I had a scary rich mom who could change an entire collection with a single purse slip, I too would be terrorizing assistants to get me the manuscript. In 2006, I was straight up out here like reading like the fan theory books. I had a trust Snape bumper sticker. (laughs) Like I would have been one of those twins being like, yes, mommy, get me that book. But also really quick, those girls were clearly lying when they told oh, her to yeah. come up and clearly. bring it up. Like, they whispered to each other and giggled, and one said, yeah, that's it. And then Andy listened. So, like, Andy, you have been terrorized by Miranda repeatedly in this scenario, but this one is on you, baby girl. Like, you you did this to yourself. Yeah, I absolutely. love that part where Miranda's husband is like, I know what they were saying. There he is, waiting for her again. <laughs> And then the worst part of the movie happens when Andy throws that steak from Smith Walensky's in the fucking sink. I know. I hate that part. That's the show she's not eating anymore because in the beginning of the movie, she just would have ate it in a cloth. When she was a fat cow. Oh my God, a size six. Could yeah. you even imagine? Disgusting. Ew. Fun fact, Anna Wintour gets a steak from Smith & Walensky every single day with an avocado. Does she? Every yeah. day? Uh-huh. Oh my mm-hmm. God. I need to look at her arteries. Yeah, right? <laughs> She's doing keto. My word. I also just want to backtrack really quick and do an obligatory fuck J.K. Rowling because mm. that bitch needs to get a hobby, get off Twitter. And fuck the New York Times for defending her. Yeah. God, it's just like so annoying to me that she created something so important to my childhood only to turn into a death eater herself. So just <laughs> fuck mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling. Okay, moving on. So Andy's can-do attitude does win major points with Miranda, but Nate is is losing patience. And while she insists she's the same Andy in new clothes, soon she's walking red carpets, remembering the names of important people, outperforming Emily, and stealing her trip to Paris, and just openly flirting with Christian in front of her friends instead of doing things like, oh, I don't know, celebrating her boyfriend's birthday. And if it wasn't clear by the newsboy hat she started wearing, (laughs) she's lost the plot. (laughs) Now, Donnie, as you won't stop reminding us, Donnie Appreciation Month is truly just around the corner. So what are your thoughts on Andy being so late that she missed the entirety of Nate's birthday dinner? Okay, emergencies do happen. And like, I do understand that this job is a big deal for her. And like, we as an audience saw 
everything that was thrown at her for this event. So, like, being Andy, I would be pissed off at myself that I had to miss someone's birthday for it. Mm -hmm. However, as Nate, I think if it was a single event... If it was a single month where everybody was terrorized (laughs) into appreciating him every single day for 30 days... No, 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 that's not what I mean. I mean, if in your relationship, Andy hasn't been messing up, then this is just like a, that's a bummer. I'm mad that you weren't there. But like, she still brought a cupcake. Even though she was so late, she still tried to make a little moment of it. But this is a woman that for the past few months now has been dropping the ball all around. So this would have absolutely been my final straw. Yeah, I get it. I feel like this part in particular, especially when she's like on the steps of that art building and she's like debating going back inside. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Leave. You have to go. I feel like this is probably evidence that Nate is the quote unquote villain. But my issue here is with Andy because she obviously knew that this event was happening. She could have said like, hey, Nate, I know tonight's your actual birthday. I cannot do it tonight. Like I want to celebrate when I get home. I might be home late, but like let's do it big on this day. And then we know that she probably would have missed that as well. But like she could have like not tried to double book herself because for me, it's not so much about like you have to celebrate with me on my birthday. But like, if you say you're going to be somewhere, you should be there. Like, I don't really think he is the bad guy in the situation. And I do appreciate the pettiness of waiting up for her to get home only to be like, I'm going to bed now. Mm-hmm. I would pull that shit. Yeah, I do like that. She made it worse with that dumb cupcake too. <laughs> that made it the whole thing so much worse. Uh, see, I think it made it better because that gives me a prop. Now I have something to throw at the wall. And say, fuck this cupcake and fuck you. See, I would have taken the cupcake and just looked at my partner deadpan and just went and blown it out and given it back. Like, that's my spirit you've snuffed out tonight. Good night. But you know what? We know that Nate is not the villain because there's a scene later then where he's like not on his birthday, but like probably a month or so later where he's like, are you coming to bed? That scene, if I was Nate, that scene of me would have been like, your shit's not moved out yet. And then I would have been tossing it out the window. You broke into my home? What are you doing here? You don't live here anymore. Also, I've read the book, The Double Wars Prada, Mm. and her starting salary is $30,000. And then I'm like, how much was he making? Because that apartment that they live in Mm. is gorgeous. It is. It looks like mine. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does look like yours. Is Nate your boyfriend? He's a chef. Okay, buckle up, because the last 30 minutes of this movie has a lot of plot. Emily gets hit by a car, Nate and Andy (laughs) break up, and our Glamazon fashion girly makes a different choice than Elsie and does, in fact, become the girl who goes to Paris. (laughs) Once there, in a shockingly vulnerable moment, Miranda opens up that her husband is divorcing her and also that she needs my mom's crush, Snoop Dogg, moved to her head table. (laughs) But the vulnerability ends there because when Miranda learns that there is a plot to replace her with Jacqueline, she backstabs <laughs> Nigel and gives 
Jacqueline the opportunity. Do you like how I just committed once to the French pronunciation? Yeah, yeah. The opportunity she had previously promised to Nigel. Disgusted by this lack of loyalty, Andy decides she doesn't actually want to live the way Miranda lives. So she does what anyone would do. She throws her phone into the fountain. She tries to make things right with Nate. She decides to be quote unquote ugly again. And she gets a job as a newspaper reporter thanks to a recommendation by one Miranda Priestley. That end was a nice little shock. I was surprised by that. I do want to talk about throwing the phone into the fountain, though. Like Anthony just said, her salary was like $30,000. Like when Serena threw her phone into the garbage instead of just deleting the text on Gossip Girl, it made sense. But for (laughs) Andy to do it, you're wearing hand-me-downs. Seriously. Well, I also wanted to be like, bitch, how are you getting home from Paris? <laughs> right. How are you booking that return flight? Yeah. Yeah. Because she's really in Paris. At least Miranda's just <laughs> on a green screen. <laughs> There's one scene in this movie that like, I, I really don't like. It's the scene where Andy and Stanley Tucci's character are in the hotel room. And there's like a weird, awkward moment that every time I watch it, I'm like, why was it written like this? He's like, cheers to the job that a million girls wanted. And she's like, that I got months ago. And he's like, I'm not talking about you. He like goes into this like weird monologue and he's like, James Holt. And he like uncorks the thing. She's like, wait, but Miranda and Stanley Tucci does this weird hand over the mouth thing with the champagne. He's like, no, 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 Miranda knows, Miranda knows. Oh, oh God, she put me up for it. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, that part is so weird and out of place with, like, the rest of the movie. Yeah. Anyone that is not subscribed to our Patreon, Anthony's doing prop work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot people aren't seeing this. I'm like, what? I mean, honestly, if your current situation, if it gets too much with the label makers, I think you could be a Stanley Tucci in person. I think so. Maybe yeah. I could. I do love the Tooch. I do love I do him. want to go on a tangent really quick about the Tooch. Oh, Twitter, besides saying that Nate is the villain of this movie every month, they also, the Twitter gays, like to go on their high horse and say that only gay men should be cast in gay roles, which, like, I understand both sides. However, why do they never come for Stanley Tucci? Stanley Tucci has played gay numerous times. He's an honorary gay. Mm, is that it? I forget that he's not gay when Me I watch too. that movie. And this burlesque he's gay in, he's gay in a lot. He's better at being gay than I am, I think. He's just like a (laughs) renaissance man. Yeah, you're right. You want to know something really bad? I always get him and Anthony Bourdain mixed up. And sometimes when I'm watching something with Stanley Tucci, I'll be like, it's a shame that he's dead. But it's not him. It's (laughs) Anthony Bourdain. I know, maybe cut this part. Oh, no, wait, no, keep it in, because I think, I just Googled him, I think Anthony Bourdain looks more like Taylor Hicks than Stanley Tucci. (laughs) Wait, let me look him up, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, he's hot. Anthony Anthony Bourdain was a celebrity death that really affected me. Joan Rivers, number one, Anthony Mm. Bourdain, number two for me. Speaking of deaths and Stanley Tucci, do you remember when Stanley Tucci went on The View to talk about the lovely bones and fucking Elizabeth Hasselbeck asked him how his wife... About AIDS? No, asked him how his wife felt about the movie. And his wife had been dead for like six months at this point. And the whole table was just like quiet. Oh my god, that's so bad. I hate also, it. Also, the fact that you brought up the Lovely Bones, this is another fun fact, then we can get back to it. Okay. I was almost in the Lovely Bones. <gasps> I too, the little girl. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it's Stanley Tucci. <laughs> the auditions were through this place of Mike Lemon casting in Philadelphia. And I was in seventh grade and I was on like the final rounds to be in it. They were looking for somebody, a boy who was ethnically ambiguous at the time they would call it. That was me. My principal, because I went to a Catholic school, I had to grow my hair out like I was in the 70s. Oh, yeah. So my principal had to sign off on all these like DreamWorks things that I was allowed to you know, miss school for X <laughs> amount of time. I didn't get the part. but Oh, my, oh God. my God. Yeah, I know, right? Cool. And look at that. Life brings you where you're supposed to be because there's no reason for me to talk about the lovely bones today. So the fact mm-hmm. that you're our guest for this episode is truly Remarkable. fake. Yeah. That movie got really bad reviews, right? The Lovely Bones. I loved it. That book fucked me up. I had no business reading that book as a child. (laughs) You were a child when that came out? Yeah, I was in like middle school reading The Lovely Bones, right? How the fuck old am I? Can you Google when The Lovely Bones book came out? Because I'm pretty sure I was like in middle school reading about like, oh, someone my age getting murdered and chopped up in little pieces. 2002. Yeah, so I was 13. I was in eighth grade. Okay. How did they recover from the dead wife comment? I think they just had to move on. (laughs) So she went rogue because clearly there's like a list of questions to ask this man. Yeah. And I think they were sticking to the outline. But then I think she thought it was like a nice little personal question. Yeah. She's an idiot. She is. is. I don't think I've ever watched one single minute of The View. Oh, wow. (gasps) When you visit, we'll go to a live taping. I just don't think I have the constitution for it. Like, there's something about, like, I know everything you love about it, Donnie, is what I would hate about it. Like, I know you love the, like, bickering and the, like, awkward moments and Whoopi eating a Tootsie Pop and all the things, you know? (laughs) I would be down with the Tootsie Pop, but the rest of it, like, I don't want to feel like my butthole is clenched for an hour. Oh, oh no. See, I like that. I love it, Anthony. The yes. most recent time I went to a filming of it, they were talking about this news story about a woman who didn't set a bedtime for her infant. She just or like a toddler or something. I think the baby was two and she let the baby sleep whenever it wanted. So then they all started talking about their mothering abilities, whatever. And then one was like, Well, yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> tell my child like who can hug them or who to do this with, whatever, whatever. And she said all these things. And then the other one was like, I'm a good mom too. And see, I live for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love the view. I mean, I really, I love all the errors of the view. I love the random Michelle Collins, Jenny McCarthy (laughs) error of the view. I love all of it. It's so good. It's like housewives almost like the different revolving casts and Mm -hmm. stuff. It's amazing. When we got that view book, the behind the scenes view book, oh, yeah. I knew a Housewives one was coming and I was correct. You were right. You <laughs> Two, were right. Actually. Yeah. Two. Yeah. yeah. So final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie that we are here to cover, not the <laughs> lovely bones, but in fact, the Devil Wears Prada. If we were to bring it to present day, who would we cast in a remake or what would we want the plot to a sequel to be? Immediately, I'm telling you right now, I'm casting Kiki Palmer and Viola Davis. I have a bone to pick with Kiki because a, a lovely couple bone? weeks ago, oh, I have a <laughs> lovely bone to pick with Kiki because um, a couple weeks ago she came for Gemini's for literally no fucking reason. No, there's a reason and here's what it is. Mm. She said 
And I didn't watch the full interview. I just posted the clip and tagged you because she came I for saw, Gemini. I did not repost. She said Gemini's are hands down her least favorite zodiac sign. She said there's no ends, ifs, or buts. And then she said, and if you want to know why, just Google Gemini celebrities. So I did, and it's Amy Schumer. Johnny Depp, Donald Trump, Kanye West is the other big one, Angelina Jolie, if you want to go down that route. I've moved past it. She's not on my list anymore. But if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have said her as well. So, like, I do understand. Well, the Hillary Clinton oh of podcasting. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Let's get to my cast okay, on that ahead. note. Um, you're going to hate it, Donnie, because you famously said you hate, and I quote, gay movies. Oh, but <laughs> I said, let's have Bowen Yang as Andy. Uh, hate it already. Is he a Gemini? <laughs> I'm looking it up. Stop. Because that's who Kiki Palmer was talking about. Dan Levy as Emily. Okay. I see that. Ben Aldridge as Nate. Do you know who he is? Mm-hmm. He's in the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. He was Kit in Spoiler Alert. Oh, I love okay. him. And then let's have Laverne Cox as Nigel's character and Jane Lynch as Miranda. <laughs> oh, my God. My vagina hurts. That is so bad. <laughs> that is so bad. No, you know what that is? That's when, like, T-Mobile tries to be gay for a Pride Month. And they have yeah. no right doing it. That's what that cast is. Okay. So mine's going to be Jennifer Goodwin could have been Andy. Yeah, easily and would have Mm -hmm. played it 10 times more annoying and you would have hated her even more I think Lang I think Jessica Lang would have been a great Miranda Uh, Priestly so final final thoughts what about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster blockbuster there's a lot of fat phobic like praise almost like we don't even learn a lesson from it and it's not even like a lot of times like fat phobic transphobic homophobic racist stuff are used in these movies as jokes but like in this it was something to like achieve and she did and then then didn't learn a lesson from it and also like there's so many weird random homophobic comments toward Tracy Tom's sidekick, that guy. Mm. It's like homophobic, transphobic. Instead of just being like, oh, Damien, too gay to function, they're like, you're a woman because you're gay <laughs> to him. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> and it was like, oh, a man that knows about fashion? Ew. It's like, yeah. well, actually, Andy, maybe you should fucking talk to your friend and you might be a little well-versed and better at your job because clearly he knows what he's talking about. And now, was that bad casting or the friend is supposed to be gay right i think it's like implied that he's gay yeah. i think that's the punchline. is like maybe he could be gay and wouldn't that be silly mm. yeah or he's just a woman <laughs> right <laughs> as far as things that aged well i mean this cast is stacked mm-hmm. i think the performances were marvelous obviously there is a reason why it is still being quoted all over sure. social media like meryl streep is an icon yeah. One more blockbuster thing. I know we've moved on to positive. The green screen work here had to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anthony, for being here today. Yes, thank oh, you. Thanks for having me. Tell everybody where they can follow you. Um, you know, just casually drop the names of all the people you were talking about this episode. <laughs> Find me on Instagram and TikTok at Anthony Lario, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-L-A-R-I-O. And you can find me on email at anthonylariomedia at gmail.com. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you again you. for being here. 
All right, cuties, gear up because next week starts Donnie Appreciation Month 2023. (laughs) God bless America. Pray for my soul. And we are covering Cloverfield. Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) Have you seen it, Chelsea? I have not. Do you like found footage movies or do they make you throw up? Um, They do make me nauseous, but I like them. Okay, good. Well, get a barf bag, honey. <laughs> Love Cloverfield. Love it. Oh, God. And 10 well. Cloverfield Lane, too. <laughs> That's also great. We'll cover <laughs> that next, next year. year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Look at me. I've become a little minion to Donnie Appreciation <laughs> Month. Uh, well, thank you all for listening, and we will be back next week. Pray for me. Talk to you later. <laughs> Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love you like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.